0: I'm really happy to be talking with you guys today, and I want to talk to you guys about talking. Can we talk about talking? All right, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that this morning you say to us exactly what you want us to hear. I thank you that this morning you changed hearts all across the world, all over the Internet, as we're watching on Facebook Live and as we're here in person, Lord. I just pray that you mold us and shape us, that we would be your willing vessels Whatever you would want us to do, Father God, that we would live out for you each and every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, the title of today's sermon is The Music of the Conversation. Music of the Conversation. I was on vacation with some friends, and I realized the only thing we did on this vacation was talk and eat. I said, life pretty much comes, is that weird? That life just pretty much comes down to us talking and eating. And that's what we did. So I had a quite interesting conversation this week. I was running some errands, and I saw an elderly gentleman on the side of the road holding a golf club, waving it. He's just waving his golf club in the air, trying to get people's attention. So what do I do as a sound-minded individual? I pull over. So I pull over, roll down the window. He's yelling at me, gasolina, gasolina. I said, "Okay, come in, come in. So he gets in the car. I shake his hand. Uh, He doesn't speak any English whatsoever. I try. He doesn't speak any English. So I said, ¿Cómo se llama? He said, Jose. I said, Nicholas. And he's like, gasoline? I said, yeah, there's, I'll take you. There's a gas station right up the street. So I take him to the gas station up the street, and we're talking. So I'm like, I can't say much in Spanish, but I got to try. God put this man right in my path. As I'm driving past him, I pulled over, and I stopped. And so I said, uh, ¿Cómo se llama? Jesus, like, do you know Jesus. He didn't get that. I was like, Dios. Dios means God. He said, Yeah, Dios. And he starts praying. He's praying. He's praying the whole time. Now he's talking. Now he's telling me something in Spanish about praying. I got no clue what he's saying. And then he starts going doo 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 doo. I'm like, Whoa! I don't know what's happening right now. He's speaking in Spanish. First we're praying. Now he's talking about gunshots. I can't understand a word that is coming out of this man's mouth. But I know that he knows God and that he prays. And he say Jesus. So we pull up into the gas station, and he say Fresca. I say I'm okay. I'm okay. So I didn't know if this man had a broken-down car, if I was helping him get gas to get his car, if he didn't ride. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just trying to help the guy. So he gets out, walks in the store, brings me out a Sprite ginger, shakes my hand, says thank you. And now this is when I try to get really fancy. I bring out the Spanish-English translator on my phone. And I try to to translate a sentence. Obviously, I can't repeat it to you guys now because I had to translate it. But I learned how to say park in Spanish. It's parque. So... All the really hard words you guys will learn today, parque in Spanish, all right? So I'm like, I'm like, ¿está bien aquí? Are you well here or are you okay here? I'm like, ¿está bien aquí? He said, good. He shakes my hand. He says, thank you. He walks off. So I drove the guy a quarter mile. That's all he wanted. He just wanted to go a quarter mile uh, from the park where I picked him up in Greenbrook to the gas station, the Exxon right there on that corner. And I I wasn't really sure. I'm like, why did he only need to ride a quarter mile like he could have walked. The court. I mean, obviously, he was using this golf club as a cane. It didn't look like he was walking that good, but I didn't understand it. So I pull out of the driveway. I look behind me. I don't see him. I don't know if he went into the store, if he got into somebody's car. Five seconds later, I turn my shoulder. He's gone as I'm pulling out. But that's all he wanted. He just wanted a little ride. Why do I tell you this story? Well, we're living in some strange times, right? Some of you might be thinking, Nick, you picked up a stranger? That was stupid. You could, have, you could have caught a disease. He could have killed you. Well, you might think I'm foolish, but all I know is this morning I want to talk to you about the foolishness of Christ. I don't come here in my own wisdom. I don't come here in my own words, but with the foolishness of Christ. I don't want anybody to misunderstand. I'm not saying that Christ is foolish. But the foolishness of Christ is smarter than any of our wisdom or any of our knowledge. Paul said he comes with foolishness. I'm not coming with fancy words. I'm coming teaching you how to say parque in Spanish, okay? I'm coming with just the good news of Jesus. You might say, Nick, that was stupid for you to just pick up a stranger. Well, you might think I'm stupid, but I say it's time for us to start having stupid faith. When are we going to start having stupid faith that when Jesus says you can tread on the head of serpents, you can drink poison and not become ill, that we believe is going to happen? That when Jesus says you pray in my name and people will be healed? When are we going to start having that stupid faith? Has anything changed? Has God changed his commandments? God hasn't changed his commandments. So I want to talk to you about the music of the conversation, but there's a problem. Today, it's hard for us to even have a conversation with people without getting offended, or without disagreeing, or getting into an argument. So let's see what God's word has to say about arguments. Let's open up our Bible to the book of Proverbs. Chapter 26, verses 4 through 5. Communication is such an important role in our lives. All we do is talk. We talk every day. I don't know what y'all, some of y'all probably didn't even eat breakfast this morning, but I know you talked today. I know you've talked to somebody. Even if you're sitting at home watching this by yourself, you talked to somebody on Facebook or on a text message, I guarantee it. All right, so Proverbs 26, 4 through 5. Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools, or you will become as foolish as they are. Okay, don't argue with fools. I'm good with that. That's self explanatory, right? Well, let's read the next verse. Be sure to answer the foolish arguments of fools, or they will become wise in their own estimation. Well, what do I do, God? Do you want me to not answer their arguments, or do you want me to be sure to answer their arguments? I don't know. See, there's different times and places for different responses. Sometimes God wants you to give somebody a message. Sometimes it's better to keep your mouth shut. It's about using judgment. It's about using your own judgment and your own wise discernment. Now notice that the reason God's telling us not to answer fools is because then we will become foolish. Now, the reason he's given us to answer them is so they won't think they're wise. So one of these scenarios is helping them, and one of these scenarios is helping you. So if you start arguing with a random person in public, it's going to make you look like a fool. But a lot of times if they're acting foolishly, they're going to hit the dead end without you helping them anyways that happened to me i'm telling you today is about the music of the conversation right i had a lot of musical conversations this week so i'm moving into my own place and uh brother bill mccall put me onto this thing called an estate sale do you guys know that you can just walk into a house and everything in that house is for sale Everything. You can buy the bookshelf, the books on the bookshelf. They're selling clothes, and Bill bought the clothes hangers that the clothes were on. He didn't even want the clothes. You can buy anything in these people's houses at an estate sale. They even had a Corvette for sale. So I'm moving out. I'm getting my own place, and I'm like, I need to put some stuff in my new house. So I go with my buddy Josiah, and we go hit up some estate sales last weekend. As we're walking, I say, you know, we play card games and board games and stuff. We have fun hanging out with people our age and doing good, godly things, just sitting around playing a game instead of going out and doing what other people do that you're not supposed to do, right? And we have way more fun than the other people have, I promise you. So I'm talking to them, I need a card table. This guy who's working in the estate sale, he overhears our conversation. He says, I got a brand new card table outside. So okay, so we end up making our way outside. I'm telling you, this thing was in the box, unopened, brand new card table, Right? It was $50 originally at Walmart, and the guy was, it said 40 on there, and he talked himself down. I didn't even negotiate. He said, I'll give it to you for 35 I said, okay, I'll, I'll keep looking around. So we walk around, we get some other stuff, and we come, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take that card table for 35 Well, my buddy just, y'all see, I'm not really in the right shape and position to be carrying a table by myself. So my buddy, he's going to carry it for me. Well, he wants to buy a couple items as well. His item's not even worth $2, all right? So he hands me the $2 cash, and he goes, here, go on. You pay for it. So I take the $2, and I got it in my hand. And I'm in like an awkward position where normally you wouldn't want to walk around with money in your hand, right? But I don't have as many hands and pockets as I normally do. So I just keep the $2 in my hand. I walk up to the guy. I say, yeah, I'm going to take the card table. I'm going to take this right here. Uh, it was a paint roller to help repaint one of his buildings uh less than two dollars a dollar fifty he said you're gonna get that he said yeah he's like you don't have to pay he's like he's like don't worry about that so if i don't worry about it i assume i don't have to pay for it right so i give josiah his money back this guy proceeds to say no no no, no you're gonna give that to me and then he hides the paint rollers and he wants us to steal the paint rollers in the box of the table and walk off all right so What do we do in this situation? Do we argue with the fool or do we choose not to say anything? Well, Josiah, in his wisdom of being raised up in the word of God and being a preacher's son and understanding godly manners, he decides not to say anything because, number one, this man is drunk on the job. You can smell the alcohol on his breath, okay? Number two, if he's doing this with us for $2, he's probably stealing way more than $2 from this place, right? So we decide we're just going to stay out of it. We're going to mind our own business. Uh, so we walk up to the lady at front, and you could tell she did not like this guy that gave me $35. She said, that I was supposed to go for 50 I said, well, you know, I'm like, do you want to talk to him? She said, no. So we leave. And not until we leave do I realize I said, Josiah, you just got robbed for $0.50. Cents. You just got robbed by a man in Memphis. Because what he was, the paint roller was $1.50, and the guy took his $2.00. I say, you just got robbed. See, I thought the guy was trying to work out a deal with us and give us a little discount on the table. He did it. He just took the $2. He got robbed. Why am I telling you guys this? If a man that doesn't even speak the same language as me can communicate well enough with me to give me a drive-in from the park to the gas station, All right. And if a man that's not even living for God and that's on the job can communicate well enough to get the $2 that he wants from me, why can't Christians communicate the way we're supposed to? What's preventing you from having an open conversation with your family that maybe you haven't talked to in years? What's preventing you from spreading the good news of Jesus to others? Because now we're all arguing about something, right? Well, some one person told me I have to, everybody needs to wear a mask. The other person told me nobody needs to wear a mask. And the third guy comes up and told me it's optional. We can't agree on anything. But a man that doesn't even speak the same language as me is able to communicate to me that he wants to go to the gas station. Well, I want to look at an argument that's recorded in the Bible. Everybody turn to Job chapter 4, verse 3. This might be the most epic argument that's ever taken place. It's certainly the longest argument that we have recorded in the Bible. It's where this man argues with God himself. Have any of y'all ever been in an argument with God? I think some of us argue with God this morning just deciding whether or not we're going to watch the live stream. Or whether or not we're going to get here on time and take a shower before we come. All right? I think a lot of us argue with God every day. So let's check out this argument that took place. So, this first man in chapter four, this is a guy named Eliphaz. So, Eliphaz is arguing with Job. And he says, In the past, you have encouraged many people, you have strengthened those who were weak, your words have supported those who were falling. You encourage those with shaky knees. Well, that doesn't sound like argument. That sounds like good stuff, right? He's saying Job was an encouraging man. But what about verse 5? He said, but now when trouble strikes, you lose heart. You are terrified when it touches you. So before, Job's life was going pretty smooth. It was going pretty well. He was an encourager. He helped people. He was a wise man in the town. Everybody loved talking to Job. He was a great guy. But now when trouble struck, he lost heart. He was afraid. He was terrified. Did God change? God's message remains constant. So our communication needs to remain constant with each other. Then Job responds to Eliphaz in chapter 6, verses 4. Job says, for the Almighty has struck me down with his arrows their poison infects my spirit god's terrors are lined up against me do y'all know there's stuff like that in the bible job and david talk about it all the time they flat out complain to god in the psalms and in job they complain all the time lord all why have you left me why have you turned your back on me why have you let my enemies take control This stuff is in the Bible. That's how men of God prayed. So I'm not to say that you should be praying like that, but it's okay. God understands our emotions. He created you. He knows what's going on inside you. It's okay to be honest with him and have that open communication with him. So Job is just flat out saying God is doing this terrible stuff to him, right? Well, let's look at another man responding to him in Job chapter 8, verse 2. This time it's Job's friend called Bildad. Now I want to point something out in the book of Job. They're not going tit for tat, insult for insult. These guys are talking for two, three, four chapters at a time sometimes. They're giving speeches. Why am I pointing this out? Because when we're talking about the music of the conversation, when we're talking about arguments, a lot of times I just want to get my word in. As soon as I hear you say one thing, I say, no, that's not true. You start trying to maybe come to me, explain your heart to me. I'm like, no, 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 no. that's not how it happened. All right. So these men are taking turns talking. OK, so you have to take turns talking in when any form of communication and especially if you find yourself in an argument. So this man, look at this. Y'all know there's insults in the Bible. Just don't use this insult on your family. All right. Bildad says, how long will you go on like this? You sound like a blustering wind. Well, Paul, you sound like an airbag right now. That's what he's saying to his friend. You sound like a blustering wind. Does that sound like a very nice thing to say to your friend? So when we're arguing, we've got to make sure not to have personal attacks, all right? Don't personally attack people if you find yourself in an argument. Now, let's look. I told you guys that this is a man fighting with God, right? So let's look at when God jumps in the argument in Job chapter 40, verses 1 through 5. So God has waited. I'm not counting the first couple chapters because they're not arguing at first in the first couple chapters of Job. God was patient. He waited 36 chapters of these guys going back and forth before God ever responded. God waited days, days, when people are talking bad about him and running his name through the mud before he ever responded can anybody say that if I just get in your face and start insulting you and insulting you, that you're going to sit there and take it for days before you even respond God waited days before he responded to the arguments then the Lord said to Job in verse 2 do you still want to argue with the almighty you're God's critic but do you have the answers Then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. So Job realized, he realized that his words could get God's attention and that he had already said too much. And it's the same for us. Our words can get God's attention. That's how powerful your words are. Your words can get God's attention. Just because he's not responding immediately doesn't mean he's not listening or doesn't mean he doesn't care. Your words will get God's attention. Now let's look at how powerful, a very familiar verse, Genesis 1-3, how powerful words are. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. That's how powerful his words are. He used his words to create everything. He used his words to create you. But are our words that powerful? Go to the next chapter, Genesis two nineteen. Are humans' words as powerful as God's words? So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. So whatever Adam called that animal, that was that animal's name. Whatever he called it, that's what that animal became. So your words are powerful. You can create things with your words. You can say take 10 seconds to say a few short, nice words, and it can stick with somebody for 10 years. You do the same thing and say a couple cutting remarks and insult somebody. And it could stick with them even longer. So your words have power. Let's go back to Proverbs. Chapter 15, verse 1. So remember, I told you, you have to have patience when you're talking. You have to have patience in an argument, right? You also need to have gentleness. Proverbs 15, 1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. So it says in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 to speak the truth with love, right? We all know we're supposed to speak the truth, but we're supposed to do it in a loving manner. So how do you do that? You have to be gentle. You have to be sensitive to others. You have to be kind, okay? What am I getting at? You have to use the fruits of the Spirit in your communication. All the fruits of the Spirit. You should have love and joy and peace when you're talking to people. You should have patience and kindness and goodness gentleness, self-control. You should be faithful when you're talking to people because your words are powerful enough to change the people around you. Go back to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. It says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. So you can cut people down, You can hurt them, or you can build them up. You can heal them. You can strengthen them. How are you going to allow your mouth to be used? Because it's being used one way or the other. See, the enemy doesn't want you to say another word the rest of your life. The enemy wants you to shut up. Because if you stop talking, people won't hear the good news of Jesus. Did anything from the last 20 seconds help you? Did y'all get anything? I mean, some of y'all got a laugh out of it. Did y'all get anything out of that? I wasn't talking. I wasn't using my words. What did you gain from it? I mean, you had a coffee break. I saw a couple people that got to take a sip of their coffee because I stopped talking. But when I'm not communicating, when I'm not speaking, Jesus' word isn't being spread. And it's the same thing for you. Has God's word changed in the past six months? Has God changed in the past six months? So, if somebody tells you not to go out and spread the good news of Jesus, are you going to listen to them, or are you going to follow the Great Commission and tell everybody and create disciples? Are you going to love God and are you going to love your neighbor? Well, if you love your neighbor, you're going to tell them about God. See, so people will be, "Oh, you're foolish! You picked up a stranger on the side of the road. God wanted me to talk to that man." When you're in Walmart now, do you just rush in and rush out as fast as you can? Man, I've been cooped up in the house so long anywhere I do go. I'm not going very many places, but when I do go somewhere, I'm trying to talk to everybody. They're already there. They already got the mask on. When I'm walking down aisle seven, get my potato chips, I'm going to say hi to them. I'm going to say Jesus loves you, because if not, now we can't even tell if we're smiling. We all just look like we're walking around scowling all the time. At least say something to them. Let them know that you love them. Let them know about God. You're already there. Are you going to get sick just because you open your mouth behind the basket and you say Jesus loves you? Look at Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27. A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even tempered you see i'm still talking about arguing i wanted to come in and preach a normal message about sharing the news of jesus with you but the problem is you can't share the news of jesus with people if you won't stop arguing with them if all you're going to do is debate politics and talk about why your way is right and why their way is wrong you have no room to spread the love of jesus we are all created in god's image He loves all of us. I don't care what your views are, what your beliefs are. You are God's child and he made you and he loves you. I don't care if you're pro this or you're anti that. I don't care if you agree with these people or you disagree with these people. You are a child of God. And if you're spending every conversation debating, oh, this is right, but this news channel said this and these people said this, when did you share God's love? If you don't stop arguing, Satan is happy. He's loving these arguments. If you don't stop arguing, Jesus isn't going to be able to use you. I've never seen somebody get saved by me arguing with them and telling them why their way is wrong and my way is right. I've never seen that happen. The word says not to debate these things, it says not to get in arguments. Just show them the love of Jesus. Love is what attracts them. Love and openness is what shows them that you care. But we're busy fighting and saying what we want to say. Well, guess what? Not everything you say needs to be said. Not everything you say needs to be said. Sometimes you need to do like Proverbs 17 and use few words. In fact a lot of times you need to do a proverbs 17 and use a few words let's look at ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 so not only can arguments get in the way of us spreading the good news of god but we could say something that's totally unrelated and has nothing to do with following our lord and savior ephesians 4:29. remember i said you have to speak using the fruits of the spirit right so that means you have to speak using goodness. You have to say good things. It says don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So my question is, is everything you say good? Do you only say good things? Mommy used to say if you want nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? So are you speaking good things? Are you listening to your mom? Are you encouraging people? Matthew 12, 36 says, and I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. You got to answer for it. So one day, Jesus is going to come back to this earth very soon. The second coming is going to take believers with him up to heaven. Or if you pass before that time, either way, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. When we're standing at this great white throne of judgment, he's going to ask you why you said that word you said. He's going to ask you why you yelled at a total stranger and debated with them about why their views and their political beliefs are wrong. He's going to ask you why you didn't tell them about his love. Because what's an idle word? When you're an idle, you're not going anywhere, right? When you're idling a truck, you're just sitting there. When it's an idle. So, if you're not telling people about Christ, are you getting them somewhere? Are you going anywhere? If I just sit there and talk with you about yeah, I know you're not saved. I know you're not following God. And I just sit there and talk with you about sports for 30 minutes. That's an idle conversation. Now, what if I'm talking to you about sports, but the whole time I'm praying? I'm like, God, please give me a way. Please give me something to say to this person, where I can lead into it about your love and about how you've changed my life. Then that's not an idle conversation. So don't be idle. Nobody wants to just sit around and not improve, right? Don't be idle. Continue to grow. Continue to grow. Because you're going to have to answer for every word you say. So I told you guys, I've had a whole lot of musical conversations this week, right? I was at the river, and it's a river with a rock bank. So there's a bunch of rocks and pebbles all along the beach. There's no sand. It's just rocks. And when you step down into the water, it's just rocks. Okay? Okay? Well, obviously, I'm not really waterproof right now, so I'm not allowed to go swimming with a cast on. So my friends are in the river, and I'm standing off on the beach staying dry. Well, my one friend is a a pastor, and he is trying to build what he calls rock art. He's trying to build a tower of rocks in the river. like, okay, this is what people do, I guess, when they find a bunch of rocks. They try to build something out of it. So he starts finding some really big rocks for the foundation right? that are flat that he knows he can stack other rocks on top of and they won't fall over. So he starts building the rock. That rock art gets taller than this pulpit. It gets almost as tall as us. If you're short, it was as tall as you. All right. So he's building this rock art in the river. And there's another group of people down maybe a tenth of a mile on the other side of this bridge where this river is. It's a public swimming area. So this girl, because you know, I can't go in the water, this girl just walks right up to me, and she goes, hey, how you doing? She's like, I like your braids. I had braids in my hair. I said, thank you, thank you. She just starts talking to me. She says, yeah, I just noticed something different about you guys. I saw that you, what you were doing over there. I thought it looked really cool. i like, I ain't never seen this girl before in my life. She just comes up to me and starts talking to me. She's like, that's really cool, you guys building these rocks here in the river. I like that. She starts helping them. She starts looking around, we don't even know this girl. She starts picking up rocks and handing them to my buddy and helping him build this rock art, right? So then she calls over to other friends, she says, Hey, come over here, come over here. She goes, Guys, this is my girlfriend. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. And she said, if I can be honest, the guy over there on the other side of the bridge, that's my boyfriend. And she goes, I'm Polly. So context clues, I knew what she said, but I didn't exactly hear the word the first time. She was willing to talk about it. I was willing to talk about it. I said, you're what now? And she said, I'm Pauly." I said, oh, okay. So they keep helping us build this tower, and uh, they keep helping us put rocks on top of rocks and build them all the way up in the water. And I'm standing there the whole time. You know, I'm not with them in the water because I can't go in the water. I have to stay dry. So the whole time I'm just praying. I'm like, God, these girls and this guy, they're living in, in a sexual sin right now, and I'm just praying for I'm like, God, Give me something I can say to them. Give me something that can change their lives and show your love to these girls. So I'm praying. They're in the water. They're probably hanging out with us for 15 minutes. They just come over like we're best friends. They join our group. For 15 minutes, they're helping build this rock. And I'm standing on the beach praying the whole time, God, give me words. Give me something that can change their world, something that they will understand, something that will help them today. I'm standing there praying, and I didn't get anything. I didn't get anything. Why am I telling you this story? Why can a gay girl come up to me and spread her agenda and tell me what she believes in and a Christian can't do the same thing? Why can she come up to me and spread her lifestyle and spread what she agrees with and Christians aren't out there doing it? She wasn't afraid that she was going to die on that beach if she came up to me and talked to me. Why does somebody that's not living for God have more courage and is more outgoing and willing to go talk to strangers about something that she knew we probably didn't agree with? Most people probably don't even know what that means, right? And she comes up to and starts telling us about it. Why is she willing to do that and Christians aren't willing to do the same thing? We have to learn how to communicate. Why can a Spanish man Explain to me, a man, a Hispanic, I'm sorry, that only speaks Spanish, Explain to me that he wants to go to the gas station. But I can't even agree with another Christian down the street who speaks the same language as me. See, Jesus always clearly communicated his message. It was a message of love and repentance and of truth. God always clearly communicates to us. If it doesn't follow his word, then it's going against God. God is very clear in his word. Even when I read you Proverbs 26, and first it says, don't argue with people, and then it says, argue with people. God didn't contradict himself. Those are for two different instances and situations. So why is God always giving a clear message and saying the same thing? Why is Jesus always giving a clear message and being bold and saying the same thing? If they're supposed to be our example, why aren't we? Why aren't we saying a clear message and standing up for what we believe in? If a man that's on the job drunk and stealing from his job can listen to my conversation and say, hey, I can use my communication skills. I can talk to this man and sell him a card table and take his money, and steal from my company, if he's able to do that with his communication skills, why aren't we using our communication skills for good? Because he's talking on his own. When we talk, when we spread God's news, it's not even us talking. It's God talking through us. None of this came from me this morning. If it came from me, I promise it would have been a whole lot worse and would have made a lick of sense if I was the one standing up here talking. But God speaks through us. God is consistent, and he shows us his love on a daily basis. So my question is, are you communicating like Jesus? Are you communicating in a way that would make your Father in Heaven proud of you? Are you communicating in a way that people see the love of Christ in you? See, and it's a cop-out to say, Oh well they're just they're gonna see me living for God. I don't have to say anything. I'm standing behind a pulpit. I'm in a church. I'm wearing a Christian t shirt that says God. But I can cover it up with my hair in case I don't want people to know I'm a Christian. Did any of that change lives? Did me standing behind this pulpit in a church wearing a Christian t-shirt change lives? No, it's the words that I spoke. So if you think that you can continue on your normal life and read your Bible sometimes, maybe every other day, pray once in a while when you need something, and listen to Christian music every now and then when you're in a bad mood, And you think you can do that and someone's going to approach you and ask you why you live the way you live? It's not going to happen. You have to open your mouth. You have to communicate the love of Jesus to people. So don't walk around making excuses like, oh, I'm not a preacher. No, you're not a preacher. But God used Moses, who had a speech impediment. God used me, and I promise I got a whole lot of issues that you don't want to know about. God can use me. He can use you. He can use anybody. But you have to be willing to open your mouth and communicate that loving message of Jesus. Now, somebody might be wondering man, I've never heard this loving message before. I've never had someone communicate this to me in a way. I've walked around, I see people in a Teen Jesus t shirt. I've maybe even been to church, but no one ever told me that. There's this love out there that can transform my life and that cares for me no matter what and that I am God's child and that I am valuable. Well, that's you. I would just ask you to repeat this prayer with me right now. And I would ask everybody to do it with us in support of anybody that may pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for speaking the truth and for loving me. I ask you today to be in control of my life and to communicate with me and to teach me to understand you and to teach me to communicate with others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.